everybody. Thank you for joining us. It's James Adams and Skeeter Robinson. It's the My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast, and it's a big week this week. It's time for the third major of the year. Used to be the second major, but since the change in schedule, the PGA Tour or the PGA Championship now the second. And this week it's the U.S. Open. Skeeter, before we get started looking forward, we'll do what we do every week. Take a look back. Uh, last week, the Canadian Open. So we go from one national open to another. And my question, as always, is what did we learn from last week? What can we take from last week and put towards this week? Um, I think we are looking at a shorter course than normal, which was what we had last week. Is there any correlation whatsoever? There might be a little bit as far as just length of the rough, but um, I don't think we're going to see Rory shoot 61 or Snedeker shoot 60 on any uh, on any round this week at Pebble, so... Um, I'm not worried about DJ. I'm not worried about Kepka's rounds. It's good to see Justin Thomas shoot well. Kucher continues his trend. And Rory on the weekend was just nuts. Um, I don't know how much of that will carry over to Pebble. I don't know if he's the best fit for this course, but um, we'll see about that. But I really think the main recap, I think I need to be quiet. I need to let you go because you are the one who – really, really enjoyed the Canadian Open. Well, I did. Um, every once in a while, I like to tell you that I'm a big fan of the uh, country Canada. I've done a lot of vacationing there. I've done a lot of fishing there. That has absolutely nothing to do with uh, this, this this weekend enjoying it. But, yeah, I had, a, I had a really nice lineup. I only ended up setting two lineups last week because, if you recall, you know, I didn't necessarily love the field. So it's, it's Wednesday night, and I'm setting a couple of lineups. I only set two. I'm literally about to fall asleep as I'm setting the lineups. And uh, I put one in that had Webb Simpson tied for second, Henrik Stenson tied for eighth, Shane Lowry tied for second, Jimmy Walker 35th, Graham McDowell eighth, and Tringali at 11th. Uh, so not only did I get six of six out of one of my two lineups, Ended up finishing fifth in a uh, GPP that had 1,981 contestants. So very proud of that. And then what I think the best part of this, Skeeter, and I hadn't told you this yet. I was kind of saving this for right now. Uh-oh. So yesterday, I get up. I check my lineup. Um, I think I sent you a text saying, hey, I've, I've got a live one. And I was in like 19th, 17th place, something like that at the time. Still a ton of golf to play. Mm-hmm. Well, I had tickets to the USA versus Venezuela, US or the men's soccer game. It was a friendly. Mm-hmm. And I'd never seen the US men's national team play before. I've seen the women's national soccer team play one time. And so I was very excited to go see them. Went up to uh, Nippert Stadium, where is on UC's campus, University of Cincinnati's campus. Uh, tailgated with a few buddies. Went into the game, watched the game. It was an utter disaster. The American team played terrible. They lost three to nothing. Christian Pulisic didn't even play. Um, I kind of like forgot because I was really enjoying the experience of this. I kind of forgot about having that lineup going. Right. We went back to a bar afterwards, and uh, golf is on TV. But the best part is, it's like Tiger Woods playing in the U.S. Open at Pebble many years ago on a different channel than what the actual tournament was. I was like, oh yeah, I got to check my lineup. And at that point, I think I was in like ninth or tenth place, and I'm like, "Oh, we got, we definitely got a live one." Yeah. And, and uh, so I had uh, I had the bar switch on the uh, the channel, the, the TV in front of us to the current golf tournament, the Canadian Open. And 
at the end, I'm watching. Me and my buddy are looking at the scores. We're thinking about fourth or fifth is the best I can get to because I don't have Rory. Nobody's catching him. Even if Rory makes bogeys, I'm not, you know, he's, I'm not, I'm not catching the first couple of guys. Right. But I, I'm like, all right, I need Webb and Lowry to finish tied for a second so I get those extra points from Webb. Well, he chips in on 18 for birdie, moves him up to a tie for a second. And, uh, you know, I went nuts and my buddy was like all excited because he also plays DFS golf. And uh, that was a $35 chip in for me. Hey, and, yeah, so. and it was a $3 buy-in, right? And you won 105 Yeah, yeah $3 buy-in, I won 105 Yeah, you know, and, and this, this in the DFS industry just does not get the, a lot of the attention. And I know, and, and I think people, there are some out there trying to do a better job of this, but you know what? That's a great hit. I mean, I know all the screenshots you see tend to be people winning, you know, a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, twenty five, whatever it is. A three dollar lineup that finishes fifth for a hundred and five dollars is outstanding. Well, thank you. Like I, was that, I mean, that is, that's. I mean, that's just that's a dream world, basically. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. You know, it's. I think it's the. I think what you're alluding to, and something that I, I tell people too, is like, you know, I don't. I don't have a ton of money to just throw away. And whenever I set a lineup, I assume it's just money I lit on fire. Yep. Uh, I don't expect to see anything from it. I'll enjoy, hopefully, just enjoy watching golf and seeing if I can't turn $3 into $5 most weekends. But um, I don't, you know, I don't play a ton of high-dollar entries. Maybe a $5 entry every once in a while. Um, when the Millie Maker was at 20 for the majors, I would play a couple of those. Yep. Um, of course, I'm not going to this week because it's 100 but yeah. But yeah, uh, small investment, you know, it was money I could easily have lost. I spent, let me tell you, I spent three times that on a beer at the U.S. Men's Soccer <laughs> And right. beer, beer could have been more than one. No, and, and by the way, I, I'm completely with you here. Um, the most, uh, you know, outside of the $20 millimakers, which not this week, and, you know, I'm a public school teacher. I'm, you know, I don't have, you know, a ton of extra money around. I'm, by the way, I'm not complaining about my situation. I'm, I do fine. I just, uh, if I was in maybe some bigger talents, I'd be making a little more money. But um, the highest amount I pay play is 15, and that's it's a uh, it's a rake free one for for Pat Mayo. And then I play a twelve dollar single entry, and that's about it. When it gets to above double digits, everything else is you know five or under for the most part. So. Yeah, you know, I you know, and I know I had the big weekend one back at uh, Valero right before the Masters, and that was a small buy-in too. It just you know, sometimes it's just based on the field, based on how you're doing, how you're playing, and you know, it's those small small ROIs that uh really keep you coming back. Oh, I mean, I keep coming back either way. But. Well, 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 yeah, I do <laughs> that, too. Cause, that, uh... may speak, that may speak more to a Because honestly, I had a fourth in a $3 GPP of similar size like two months ago. Um, but I haven't done a whole lot since in, until last week. Oh, well, I tell you what, ever since that uh, that weekend golf win for me, it's been uh, it's been a dry spell. I just, again, Nick Watt, I have four of six this past week. Nick Watney. Makes like a twenty footer on eighteen on his eighteenth uh, hole on Friday to get inside the cut or what we thought, and then all of a sudden here comes a few birdies, and all of a sudden 
Rodney's on the outside, and it's just that that's just kind of summed up my years. Is I I have so many golfers each week missing by one or two, and just or the times that I do get a six or six, my best finisher is like thirteenth. Like, okay, yeah. well I can't do anything with this. So it's been a frustrating year. Like, you know. I feel like I'm there. I mean, I feel like I have good picks. I just can't get the right combination or I'm missing by one shot. And in golf, I mean, making the cut by one, missing the cut by one could literally be a putt or a bad bounce or anything like that. So it's just, you know, just got to keep keep the train rolling here and hope that one of these uh, weeks everything falls into place for me. Well, let's keep that. Let's get that train rolling. I'm going to try to keep mine rolling with the U.S. Open. It's at Pebble Beach. Um, what are we looking at this week? We've obviously had a tournament at Pebble Beach already this year. Phil, Phil Mickelson beat Paul Casey on that Monday finish. How much, I mean, obviously, I you know, the weather's going to be different. The conditions are going to be different because it's the USGA making the conditions as tough as possible in the U.S. Open. It's a different season, so... Um, you know, the rough is going to have had a chance to grow out, and they are certainly allowing it to do that. What do we take from that, the AT&T that was the, the Pro-Am from here in February, I think? Yes. And and what uh, what are we looking at? What what are the stats we want this week? Well, I think there's a lot of dissect here when, we are, when we're trying to figure out what to look at. First of all, I meant, I've mentioned this in the article. I mentioned this a little bit even on SiriusXM yesterday. I don't know the true value of the tournament history files for both the U.S. Open and the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Because uh, remember, with their Pro-Am, first of all, there's, they each have an amateur partner. They also have the course set up so easy for the amateurs. That way, otherwise, the amateurs would be shooting 90. Um, so that's one thing to look at. The other thing, too, is for the Pe- Pe- Pebble Beach Pro-Am, they play Monterey and they play Spyglass and Pebble each of the first three days, and then anybody who makes a cut happens to play Pebble the final round. So, if you're looking at stat wise, any stats from the Pebble Beach Pro Am, they are from Pebble Beach only because there is no shot tracker on Monterey or Spyglass Hill. So, and then the U.S. Open history, I mean, the USGA typically sets up courses in a similar type of manner. So, I think they both have some value. I don't think there's anything I would completely rely on, and I couldn't tell you what the value is. Um, somebody even tweeted me saying, can you get all the rounds from Pebble together? And I said, well, that would be really tough because everybody plays at different days. And even even if I did, I don't know how much it m- means anything. So that those mean something. The changes the USGA has made to Pebble Beach. First of all, the rough is going to be like five inches long. I mean, it's it's... It's going to be brutal to get a ball out of there if you hit it into the rough. They've also shortened up a lot of the fairways, so you're gonna. Um, do you ever play Tiger Woods golf on like PlayStation or Xbox? I mean, let me tell you, in my younger years, I've woken up after probably sleeping four eight hours with the controller in my hand, food in the microwave, now cold again, and <laughs> there's and and my my player still waiting to hit a shot. I've played. A ton. I actually have a shirt that I refer to as the Fall Equinox Polo. It was something you won, like if you won a certain thing on a certain day okay. from that game. Yes, I played that game insanely amount. Do you remember how they tire-proof some courses just to try to make it harder for you on there? Uh, 
Does that ring a bell at all? Not really. Um, a lot of times, me and my buddies would play the fantasy courses that they had on there. You oh. know, there's always like one or two. Yeah. Because we play it so much that we would torch the other courses. Right. Well, I feel like the USGA is tiger-proofing tiger this a little bit just because they've they've really taken out some of these fairways where they've made them, you know, instead of being 30 yards wide, they're now like 20 yards wide or something like that. So they've really narrowed the fairways. The only spot that they're not really growing the rough is right on the edges of these cliffs and into the ocean. They're actually shaving these banks that way if a wayward shot goes there, it's not hanging on. It's going into the it's going into the Pacific Ocean, which also makes me wonder how many times we're going to see uh, somebody go down to the beach to hit a shot. So we saw Snedeker do that on 18 earlier this year. The tide was out. He hit a, he hit a bad drive onto the beach on 18. He went down there and played a second shot, and I think somehow still made par on the hole. So you could see a little bit of that, but I think you're going to need to hit greens. It's a par, it's under 7,100 yards. It is par 71. The second hole is, instead of going from a very short par 5, it's a long par 4. So that's really the only change as far as that goes. Every other hole plays the same. They might lengthen a couple holes, like I think ten, nine or 10 is lengthened. Uh, 14 potentially, and 17, I think they're playing that one a little bit longer, which, oh, good luck on 17. That's going to be, that'll be a fun hole on Sunday to see how they deal with that one. But, um, so it's a short, it's a short hole, sh uh, shorter course, but you're going to have to be extremely accurate to avoid the rough. These are among the smallest greens in regulation on tour. So you're going to be able to have hit greens with the rough, with the small greens. I think you're going to have to be able to scramble here a little bit and, Anytime there's a U.S. Open, I always weight bogey avoidance a little bit as well. So, um, also, 156-person field, top 60 in ties play the weekend, and there is no MDF. So, it is a little bit tougher to get in, especially if, you know, we see somebody right at 60. We could see 60 golfers. We could see 70-plus. So, expect 6 of 6 to be pretty low. It is a major, so there will be somebody who will be chalky who will miss in grand fashion. So, it's I mean, it's, it's a tough week. All these majors are tough weeks because we see a lot of people priced a lot lower than we're used to. And, you know, the depth of field is so good that you get into the 7Ks, like, oh, wait, there's some guys here that I, I remember seeing the 9s or even 10s recently. What are they doing in the 7s? So, I think ownership will mean something to... Uh, last thing, you know, I'm kind of previewing the Wednesday night portion here a little bit, the ownership and weather. Uh, right now, it does not look like there's big winds expected to happen, but it is Pebble Beach right off the coast of the Pacific Ocean. It wouldn't take much for it to change the course around, so we'll kind of wait and see if anything develops between now and Wednesday night. All right, I'm ready to get in the field if you are. Absolutely, let's go. Well, we'll, uh, we'll stick to the format from last week. We'll kind of tell you who we like and not don't like um, more than going through every individual player through the tier. We'll start with the 10K+. plus. Brooks Kepler is 11.6. Dustin Johnson is 11.3. Tiger Woods, 10.7. Rory McIlroy, 10.5. Jordan Spieth, 10.3. Patrick Cantlay, an even 10K. I like three guys. I don't like three guys in this tier. I will start with you, though. Who is somebody? Who, who, who are you liking here? Um, this is not going to be a surprise. If you've, if you've followed me for a couple of years now with my golf picks, you, you should know I'm a big Dustin Johnson fan. 
here's a guy who had the third round lead in 2010 at the, when it was held here, shot 82 on the final day, finished ninth. I think he's owed one. He's owed one after last year when he got absolutely hosed when the USGA didn't know how to manage a course on Saturday at Shinnecock Hills and let that course get completely away from them. You know, we saw this even in 2015 at Chambers Bay where he 3 putt 18. Those were some bad greens there. He came back in 2016 to win at Oakmont despite getting screwed again there when they wanted, didn't know if they were going to penalize him for a moving ball or whatever. You know, typical USGA trying to screw something up, but... For me, it's Dustin Johnson, 11-3. He's second tee to green. He's third in bogey avoidance, third in green regulation. Very good putter inside 15 feet. Very good putter on POA, something else I'm looking at uh, this week. When I, write, when I run the mo my model, um, he's top 10 for every model from 8 rounds to 100 rounds. I expect him to be popular because he also has won the 18T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. He has a great history at Pebble. Um... 11-3, he'll probably be the highest owned in this range, but I just don't see myself avoiding him. All right. Well, he's my favorite play as well. Yeah. But I will tell you that I am also, and for all the reasons you said, um, I will tell you that my second favorite play and a guy I'm definitely going to use is Patrick Cantlay. For me, it boils down to, one, the savings in price. Um, you know, all six of these guys are world-class golfers, of course. But Cantlay... Uh, he is coming off the win at the Memorial. I'm not sure if I'd love the fact that he's coming off the win. I'd rather him be coming off like a, a second. But he's coming off the win, but before that, third at the PGA, third at the RBC Heritage, ninth at the Masters. I mean, he has been on a, just a serious run. And you're saving, you know, I mean, the other guy that I like and will play is Brooks Kepka, But I'm getting Patrick Cantlay at $1,600 less and I feel like the magical run for Kepka in these majors just comes to an end. I do think he's still a good play. I do think he is going to uh, produce value. I just don't – it's hard for me to say I think he's going to win. And at 11-6, if he's not going to win, he can't be my favorite. Yeah. Um. No, I, I agree. But if it makes you feel any better, I believe Graham McDowell and Tiger Woods both won their the start before the U.S. Open – before they won the U.S. Open – you know, the past two times has been held here, so there's a little bit of a history of... All right, then. I think that's true. I, I'm pretty sure it was a McDowell. I'm pretty sure it was a Tiger as well. Maybe somebody else for U.S. Open purposes. Yeah, but Tiger's got 81 wins. He doesn't count. <laughs> well, I mean, Graham McDowell doesn't exactly have a ton of wins either. But, I mean, he's got a few. That's what I'm saying. Great. Graham making that happen makes me feel good about Cantlay. Tiger, I'm sure he's won multiple tournaments in a row more than, like, more than anybody with those 81 wins. Yeah. Um, Cantlay, it's, it's between him and Brooks for me as far as if I go to a third guy up here, depending on how many lineups I play at, it's, it's between those two. I'm kind of with you. I'm not sure this is the best fit for Kepka. He typically avoids these West Coast events. Uh, the only one he typically will play is the Tournament of Champions and then uh, Phoenix. Like, he doesn't play the California courses. So I don't know if he just doesn't like Poe or whatever, even though that didn't bother him at uh, Bethpage Black. With Cantlay, the only stat that's kind of scaring me here a little bit is he does not hit a lot of fairways. So that would be a concern here. I think Kepka's going to come in pretty low-owned. He might be the lowest-owned of the, of the six in this tier, which if that's the case, I mean, I, I just don't know how you can fade Kepka at this point. Like, I agree. I, I don't know if I think he wins, but 
his approach game recently has just been outstanding. And on a course like this, I don't know how you could deny his he's six tee to green, six in bogey avoidance, eight in greens in regulation. He also doesn't have hit a lot of fairways, but uh, I don't think you can bomb and gouge, but I trust him with a wedge from 100 yards from a rough. I'm surprised you didn't mention Tiger. He is actually, I'm not playing him. Wow, okay. I'm, I'm not playing him. I just, uh, you know, I loved watching him win the Masters. I know that he played really well at the Memorial. He didn't even make the cut at the PGA Championship. I know that this is a course that favors him. I just don't believe that Tiger's winning another major this year. And if I'm looking at guys, I, I don't necessarily believe that he's going to be top 10 in this thing. Um, nothing against Tiger. I just right. don't I just don't think that this is – it's just a feel for me. Um, I, I, I don't know that, that – again, I'm going to pay 10-7 for a guy. I'm not going into this tier unless I firmly believe they can win. I would agree with you. And so, I, for me, that's Johnson – uh, Cantlay and Kepka. See, I think Tiger could win because Tiger's biggest problem since coming back has been his driver. Pebble Beach is going, and the, the rough is going to force him not to hit driver a lot of three woods. And from there, his irons are just, have just been spectacular. I mean, outside, you know, outside, he struggled the players, but he gained 5.4 strokes on approach at Memorial, one at the PGA, but he hadn't touched a club since Augusta. So I'm kind of right. throwing out the PGA a little bit. 8.3 at Mexico, 4.3 at the Farmers earlier. So he he his approach game all year has been terrific. We know he can get up and down from the rough. He can putt okay on POA. It doesn't bother him. Um, second in greens of regulation, which I think will be big, 14th tee to green. 19th bogey avoidance. 10-7, I think he's a nice enough discount from the top, too, that I can give him a chance. And we've kind of run into a recent trend all of a sudden where everybody thinks the public's going to play Tiger. The public doesn't play Tiger, and he comes in 12 15% owned, and I'm willing to take a chance on that. For me, the guy I'm not playing this tier, I don't like Rory. I just don't know if this course suits him, and plus he doesn't really play Pebble. I'm also not playing Spieth. He's just so reliant on short game and putting. And I know that's, you know, those are good things to have at Pebble, but his approach game is, you know, even while it did improve a little bit in the Memorial, it's still not where it needs to be. So at 10-3, I don't think he comes close. I don't think he wins. I don't think he's top 10. I actually think there's a missed cut coming for Spieth. So I'm certainly not paying that price for him. Ready to move into the 9K tier? Yes. All right. It's just another group of six. Justin Rose at 97. Ricky Fowler, 9,500. Justin Thomas, 9,300. John Rahm, 9,200. Jason Day, 9,100. Francesco Molinari, and even 9K. Um, I'll go first this time. The guy that I really like in this tier, I was afraid of him last week, but it looked the wrist held up. Justin Thomas in a major at 9,300. Mm -hmm. I will take that. I understand that he didn't make the cut at the Memorial. He shot that 80 on the second round. But look, after the first round 70 at the Canadian Open, different course. I get it. 65, 69, 69. To me, that says the wrist held up. Um, I'd rather see higher than 20th for Justin Thomas this week. But here's a world-class player that you're going to get at 9,300. He's, he's got to be my favorite player in this tier. 
Yeah, he's getting some attention, and really, he, he was good on approach last week. The only recent trend up from him since Mexico, he has not been putting the ball well, but we also do know that that can be a variant thing. He has putted okay on Paulo before. I think he's got, what's he done here? Um, he's only played Pebble once, missed the cuts. So, but, I mean, that was before he really came on to things a little bit. So, I don't mind him. I don't think I will use him. I just, you know, I got to take a stance somewhere along the way, and there's a lot of these 8K guys, these upper 8K guys I like. So, I just don't know if I'm going to get to Justin Thomas. Um, but I, I can see the play. I can see why you're doing it. For me, I'm going to go back a little bit of course horse here, and if we're talking about somebody who... If we need to scramble and make putts, who can do so and doesn't mind tough courses? I know he's maybe not, he's in okay form, but Jason Day at 9,100 is a really, really good price. He is a former, no, he hasn't won here. I'm sorry. Pebble Beach Pro Am. Here, let's go back to 2013. Here's his finishes at the Pebble Beach Pro Am. 6th, 64th, 4th, 11th, 5th, 2nd, and 4th. I don't know how much stock to put into this, but when I see five top 10s on a similar track here, that grabs my attention for Jason Day. He's also, you know, I know he's missed the past two uh, cuts of the U.S. Open, but prior to that, 8th, 9th, 4th, 2nd, also the 2nd, 2011, uh, did not play here in 2010. He's, uh, his putting is elite. He's okay in uh, opportunities gain. He's okay in greens regulation. I worry about hitting fairways. But 9,100, we're talking about a guy who I think legitimately can win the U.S. Open and a former world number one, a, for, a former major winner. I think this is a fairly good price on on Jason Day. I like. Uh, I certainly like all the guys in this tier as guys who could win. We're still talking about elite players. And I think, what, three of the six have won majors and – I think we feel like the other three are probably going to. Maybe. I don't know if I'm sold that Ron wins one, but I think Thomas and Ricky do. Uh, uh, who else do you like in this tier? Four of the six in this tier have won their majors. I think Ricky and Rob. Oh, no, yeah, Ricky and Rob are the only two who haven't won. Thomas? He won the PGA 2017 at uh, uh, Fort Hollow. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I take that back then. That's all right. Molinari with the summer Molinari last year. Well, that one, I, that one I'm, I'm firmly aware of. So who else do you like in this tier? The only other one I have started right now is Molinari. I know okay. he, he's not playing the best right now. Um, stru struggle at Schwab, didn't really do much at PGA, struggle at Heritage. Maybe a little bit of still that letdown, that Sunday letdown at Augusta. But we saw him catch fire this time of year a year ago. This also seems like a course that when he's on his game, sh he should fit pretty well. Um, rates out 16th over the last 100 rounds in my model, 19th over the last 50 rounds, gets a little bit worse. He, his approach has been okay, except at, at Schwab where he lost 4.2 on approach. I think he might have had a bad weekend. He's not going to pop into stats at all. I mean, 8th bogey avoidance, 13th scrambling, 20th fairways gain. That sounds like a nice combination for a U.S. Open, especially at Pebble. 9,000, I think he might be among the lowest owned in this range, and we're talking about a guy who's been on fire pretty much for the whole year. 
He's what I'm going to look at there. And then the only other guy that I'm looking at, and this is a pure ownership play, and I never, I can't believe him to the point where I say I'm only playing him as an ownership play, but Justin Rose has not been the same since the weekend at the PGA. But he's coming around 10% ownership right now, and I might have to take an elite player, a former, yeah, he's not number one anymore, at, at 9,700. That's very tempting to me. I will uh, agree with you on Rose. I'll probably have a lineup or two with him. I guarantee I'll have a lineup with Ricky Fowler because, A, I already do, and, <laughs> B, I play him any major because I love Ricky Fowler. He's one of my faves. But, look, ninth at the Masters. 36th at the PGA isn't great, but he had a fourth at the Wells Fargo. He just finished 14th at the Memorial after missing the first cut in forever at the Charles Schwab Challenge. So I will definitely get behind some Ricky Fowler play, too. And Ricky has a pretty good history at the U.S. Open. 20th last year, 5th yes. Aaron Hills, and then two missed cuts prior to that second and 10th. So he plays well, and you want to talk about somebody who can scramble, uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's Ricky. Yeah, so I will, I will go there. The one guy I'm not playing in between the two of us, I mean, we haven't mentioned him, uh, it's John Rahm. I'm not playing him. I'm just not sold that this guy's a major champion in the making anymore. I think, I mean, look, he's young. It's not like I'm just going to say it's never going to happen, but didn't make the cut at the Charles Schwab or the PGA. And he's ninth at the Masters, sixth at Valspar, so he's had a good run before that. I'm just, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm jaded because I used Rahm in, my, in, in our PGA, in our league for the PGA. But I'm just, I'm not playing Rom right now. I'm trying to look back here a little bit. Um, does not have a good U.S. Open history. Just the temperament, too. I don't know, I don't know if the U.S. Open's a, a John Rom major. Like, I can see him winning Augusta. He's played there pretty well. Maybe a PGA Championship. Maybe even a British Open. Like, the U.S. Open's not a John Rahm type of uh, track, in my opinion. He'll be, he might, he's the, he's the other guy that might be low-owned, which surprisingly, no, not many people are, are on Rahm. But I agree with you, I just don't see the need for it. He does have a fifth here at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. But, also, but his stats, even 24 rounds, aren't really doing much. So, I'm with you, Rahm's my fade in the 9Ks. Now let's get into that 8K range. There is uh, more golfers here. I think we got 10. And, I mean, there's a handful of golfers in this 8K range that I really like. Yeah. I imagine the same will be said for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll let you fire away first. Who's your favorite play in this range? Um, fifth. Half the range? Can I say that? You can. <laughs> I mean, I'll um, throw one out first if you if you want. No. I think for me, it's Paul Casey. Okay. I mean, Casey's been contending the past couple of years when they've played here in, you know, in February. Eighth, eighth two years ago, he couldn't make a putt that day. I think I had him when Ted Potter Jr. won. He was second this year. You know, he was the one who said, all right, you know, Phil, we're not playing 17-18 today. We're coming back tomorrow morning to finish these two holes. Mm-hmm. And Phil kind of came around on that, but... But for me, when I look at the stats, Casey's second fairways gained, third tee to green, sixth in greens regulation, sixth in the opportunities gained, 29th bogey avoidance. He, he's been a little hit or miss when it comes to these big events. Like, we saw him miss the cut. We saw him miss a cut at the Masters. Uh, we saw him miss at the players, but he bounced back nicely from there. Played well at the PGA. 
His approach game has been fine outside the players, and the only reason it was bad the players is because I think he put two or three in the water. So he's able to hit fairways. He's got some sneaky distance. The putting and scrambling is the only thing I worry about, but if he can hit enough greens of regulation, 8,300, he'd be a solid cash game play. I think he's got tournament upside as well. I am going to tell you that my favorite play in this range, and let me tell you that it is by a minuscule amount. Yeah. I'm I'm going with Adam Scott. Uh, yeah. I really like yeah. the way he's playing right now. Um, you know, his U.S. Open history, there's some really good, there's some really bad. There's a handful of missed cuts. There's a couple of top 10s and a couple more top 20s. Uh, so Adam Scott, for me, is a guy that I'm just looking at, you know, the second at the Memorial, but the eighth at the PGA, the 18th at the Masters, the 12th at the Players. I mean, he's been playing very consistently good golf in these fields of tough competitors. So he's my favorite play, but he's my favorite play by just a minuscule amount over who I'll also play, and I'm sure you will too, is Xander Shoffley. I think, uh, what do we refer to him as, Brooks Kepka Jr. or Brooks Kepka Light? Yes. Uh, back to Scott, by the way, he's gained strokes putting every single tournament in 2019, which is a rarity for, uh, or at least that we have data for him. I don't know if he gained it at the Masters, but we don't know. Uh, last time at the Memorial, he gained 11.8 strokes on approach. He's been solid off the tee all year, too. Um, around the green can be a little bit of a concern, but recently he's been better. No, he, he rates out just below Casey, my model, third and... Uh, seventh tee to green, seventh scrambling, fourteenth greens in regulation. So I'm with you with Scott. Shoffley, he's one of the two guys here. I don't. Or th- actually, I'm gonna make it three. That I don't know what to do with. I worry about his scrambling a little bit, and he just he hasn't been in the best form. He was fine at PGA 16th, but prior to that, 63 at Heritage. Miscut at Schwab, 14th of Memorial, so he's been okay there. His approach game has just not been great. He's been reliant off the tee. I think off the tee is good. I, I just, I don't know what I'm going to come down to on Alexander. Like, I think I'm going to have to cut somebody from this range at some point. He's one of the three guys I would consider cutting. I'm not cutting. Tommy, I'm not cutting Tommy Fleetwood. I, I, I was just going to say, I know you got a Tommy Fleetwood lineup going. Oh, of course I do. I mean, we're, we're talking about somebody who plays coastal courses pretty well from England. Mm-hmm. You know, this. You know, I keep saying this, the, the U.S. Open might look like a British Open a little bit with, unfortunately, the USGA trying to get involved in it. But but Fleetwood, 9th tee to green, 10th in bogey avoidance, 25th greens regulation. I know the approach is going to be there. I know he, he can scramble. He'll be really good off the tee. It's just, can he putt? And can he actually not have that blow-up round? I mean, we saw it last year. Now, granted, he was part of that final wave on Saturday that got screwed by the weather. But we saw him on Sunday come back and shoot, what, 63-64 and get himself right back into contention. And maybe Brooks doesn't scramble like crazy he, he uh, wins. But you better believe I'm going to have some Tommy Fleetwood. I will as well. I mean, he's he was second last year and fourth the year before in the U.S. Open. I will have some Tommy Fleetwood as well. Um, I'll just say real quickly, Matsuyama and Kucher are two guys that I'm also very yeah. interested in putting in. Yep. So. Yep, they're same here. Kucher, Kucher should be very popular. This, this course seems to fit him. Um, I don't think he's – has he played here? Yeah. 
22nd uh, this year, but not a great, uh, not a long history at Pebble. And same with Adam Scott. I think that's the only concern with Adam Scott. He just doesn't, hasn't played Pebble a whole lot, so that could be a slight concern. Same with Hideki. I don't see any history with Hideki here, so this seems like this could be a core set where you need a little bit of experience, but, man, his approach numbers, I mean, he, I'm trying to see. The last time he lost strokes on approach was at Bell Reeve last year for the PGA, and he lost .1 strokes. So his approach game is on fire. It's just whether he can make a putt or not sometimes with Hideki and, and consistency. So those are two guys I'm with you on there. Um, I'll give you my fade here. It's Phil. Sure. Um, I, I agree with you. I, dude, I think before you go into any stats and – Anything else? I think at this point in his career, he wants the U.S. Open so bad that it's going to work against him. Is is one of my main thoughts here. Well, I think my bigger concern isn't you know, you know, it'd be great to see him win for the career Grand Slam. Like the U.S. Open owes him one, and this feels like this would be. If there's any course he's going to do it on it's this one or Tory Pines. The problem is if we're talking about needing to keep the ball in a fairway, Phil Mickelson's not one to keep the ball in a fairway. <laughs> I mean, he can scramble. We know he'll, you know, he'll probably pull off some pretty good shots. But if, but as I said, we're not. I'm not relying on him off, you know, off the tee here. So that's a pure pass for me. I'm with you on that one, and I'm fading Bryson DeChambeau. I know he showed uh, showed us something at the Memorial Tournament, but let's be really fair. He uh, started off pretty bad. He had a round of 74 and a round of 73. His finished. Uh, he finished tied for 22nd. But he finished with a 66 on Sunday in that tournament. He missed three consecutive cuts before that. Uh, I will fade Bryson DeChambeau. The price at 8100 starts to become a little intriguing, but I'm just not going there. By the way, just out of curiosity, who wins the major first, Rom, Fleetwood, or, or uh, Bryson? Fleetwood. Yeah, I feel that's right. I mean, to me, that's – now, look, we're guessing – but to me, that's an easy answer to, to, to throw at you. Well, what if I throw what if I throw Hideki or Xander in there, or even Kucher? Fleetwood and Xander would be my uh, my one A and one B out of that group. But it wouldn't surprise me if it was Hideki. I would say that those three sit above the other three. Easy for me. By the way, I like how we've mentioned the only two guys we haven't mentioned here, and I'm not sure this is course fit either. Uh, Tony Finau and Gary Woodland. Yeah, those are two guys I'm fading as there well. There's some people on Woodland, though. Like, I think in four rounds, I heard something like in four rounds, he has the lowest, if, as long as there's no minimum round qualifier, he's got the lowest scoring average on Pebble Beach. So I could see that one catching a little bit of narrative, but this just doesn't feel like a Gary Woodland course to me. And the thing is, I like playing Gary Woodland, too. Well, I do, to too. Really honest with you, so. I do, too. If this was being played at Torrey Pines, I'm all on Gary Woodland. If this is, you know, back at Shinnecock, yes. But uh, this just doesn't feel like a Gary Woodland course, which means he'll probably win now, so. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it if he did. No. He had that, uh, I'm sure you saw it. I think it was a TPC Scottsdale where that that oh, young girl came yes. out and played the hole with her. It was, it's just, it's like, all right, there's a guy you like. You'll root in for fact, in fact, uh, it was like a month later I, uh, at my church on Sunday morning, the uh, the priest mentioned it. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Of course, I went up to him afterwards. He's like, I don't remember the tournament. So afterwards, I go, it was at Phoenix. So I 
I decided I didn't want to throw on the uh, the waste management sponsorship. I was like, the fellow was pretty well. I just said, I'll just be an accountant. So. Well, that's all right. There's nothing wrong with managing waste. Oh, absolutely not. But, you know, oh, you don't want to call it wasted waste. management, which is a lot of people, uh, what a lot of people do call it because of uh, the way the crowds get. Well, it's just the 16th hole. But, no, I mean, if it was John Deere or RBC or AT&T, whatever, I still want to mention it. I just didn't feel I needed to mention the corporate nah, sponsor yeah. for that one. Anyway. Shall we get into the seven Ks? Absolutely, and this might be this this could be an interesting discussion. So, um, I'm sure your favorite play is Louis Ustazen. <laughs> oh, Louis. Um I want to a decent US Open course history. Yes, US Open history, and you figure he's not gonna withdraw. I know we're not gonna talk about every player in this range, but Louis's almost become uh, a guy who, who bears being being mentioned here. Um I'm not playing Louis just because he angers me. He, well, I mean, he he didn't Peter withdraw. From the, he didn't withdraw from the PGA last year, so it wouldn't be passive withdrawal from a major. But I think the big concern here too is he. I know he he. I don't know if he's one who needs form, but he's also never played Pebble as far as I can tell. So that's a little bit of a concern for me. All right. In all seriousness, there is a ton of golfers in this range, uh, but I still think there's some. Really interesting names to look at. I mean, uh, I could I could pick. I, there's a handful of guys that I like. Maybe it's not a handful, but there's a few guys in this range I like. Who is your favorite go-to play in this range? Uh, I think it's gonna be the same one that everybody's. Well, I think there's a few that everybody's gonna go to. I'm also just throw out one of them right now, Henrik Stenson. If we're okay. talking yeah. about if we're talking about major approach success. Like, he has just been dominant on approach recently. He's gaining, I think, like four-plus strokes on approach in his past five ter- uh, five tournaments that we know of. We don't know of the Masters. But if we go back, his, not including the Masters, if we start the API, his worst strokes gain approach was 2.5 at the players. He missed a cut there because he couldn't make a putt. He finally made putts at Canada last week. He gained four and a half strokes putting. He's lost some around the green. So I guess that's a concern. I also don't think he's really played at Pebble a whole heck of a lot. Um, I don't show any history for him at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. U.S. Open, what did he do? He didn't even play in 2010, I don't show. Oh, no, he was 29th. So, I, I mean, I guess that's a concern, but his approach game is just so good. He, he's second in my model, fourth in fairways gain, ninth in greens regulation, seventh in bogey avoidance, 12th tee to green. 7,600, I think he'll be very popular. He might not be the most popular because there's a couple guys around here, around here, around him who I think will take some ownership. But for me, it's Henrik. I trust the three wood off the tee for him. I was going to say that three wood is a good play for him in a short course. And we talked about it last week and he ended up finishing, I think, eighth, right? So yeah. uh, the, the same narrative makes sense for him. He's definitely a guy I like. I've, I've got him in one of the two lineups I've already set. Uh, my favorite play is Webb Simpson. Yeah. I've done, like, a massive 180 on this guy. Around Masters week, I was like, oh, he won't hold out. And, you know, he shot the 70 on the week on Sunday. It wasn't uh, the 64 he fired the day before. But since then, he's just been good. And, I mean, good. And, okay, maybe this is a little recency bias because we started the program when <laughs> talking about how his chip in yesterday to get to that T2 with Lowry was uh, significant for me, $35 worth on a little $3 entry. So, 
Um, but 7700 for Webb Simpson, I feel like, I'll be honest with you, I feel like Webb Simpson should be higher than DeChambeau, Woodland, Mickelson, Finau. And not to mention all the 78 and 7900 golfers that are, that are there as well. No, no, uh, boy. I would say he's in that range. Um, he's actually right now, early early ownership projections on Fantasy National, he is the highest owned in that range. He's the highest <laughs> owned overall. Him and Adam Scott are the two highest owned. If you want a reason to fade or maybe go underweight on Webb, when I look back last week at Canada, he gained nine strokes putting. Um, he's not that good of a putter. He, I mean, he's okay. But his approach game hasn't been great. Off the tee, he's been okay. Around the green, he's pretty good. Like, I think at 7,600, I could justify all of this. But uh, if he's going to be the highest owned, I, I can see myself taking a stance against him. But, I completely understand but, it. But, I mean, he's he's first in double bogey avoidance, which at U.S. Open, I actually think, means something. Mm-hmm. Six in fairways gained, 12th in bogey avoidance, 21st tee to green. Like, he hits all the stat models. He's pretty good putting from inside 15 feet. Uh, what, what is he on POA? Let me, see, let me see what his trends on POA are. Actually, yeah, he's slightly above nor, above the uh, slightly positive strokes in putting in POA, so... Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, the ownership's, I think, the only reason not to like Henrik at 70, or at Webb at 77. I'll say a couple other names that I like as well. Um, I like Rory Sabatini, but not as much as I like him normally. I do have him in one of my two lineups. I don't think I'm going to go crazy overweight on him. He feels, uh, he feels overpriced among some of these names. I would, I would agree with that, but I've just been enjoying playing him so much. I know, I know, and he's been playing so well, but... You really mean to tell me he's the same price as Webb Simpson and a hundred dollars more than Henrik? Ah, uh, dude, I I'm surprised at where he's at. It wasn't that long ago we were talking about what a nice little value, or at least I was, what a nice little value he would be in the six Ks. Um, so I'll throw him in a lineup. I already have. I won't go overweight with him. But uh, Brant Snedeker is a guy that I will be playing at seventy five hundred. I. Brand- I think he'll be among the three most popular in this range. I think it's Henrik, I think it's Webb, and I think it's Snedeker. <laughs> Snedeker's got a really Actually, there's a good fourth history guy in the U.S. Open. There's a fourth guy when we get lower. Well, Snedeker won here twice. He's won in the Pro-Am twice. I think he had a pretty good finish. Yeah, he was eighth here in 2010 at the U.S. Open. He's also got a nice little U.S. Open history, too. So Real, Really nice. A lot of the top tens in there. Yeah, so Snedeker's a guy I'm going to use. I'll use Graham McDowell. 7,300. I will play Graham McDowell. This is a shorter course. He uh, played well last week. He's obviously won the U.S. Open before. Uh, so Graham McDowell's a guy I'll throw in there. I mean, He's the defending U.S. Open champion at Pebble. At, yeah, I was going to say at Pebble, yes. So I'll definitely play him as well. Um, I think I know where you're going to go with this one, but I'll ask. What about Sergio? I'm nope. passing. Absolutely no dice on that. Missed cut last week. Missed luck was last seven or eight majors. Like, I'm just, I am not going to Sergio. And Let's see. There is, there is a thousand times more chance I'll play Louis Oosthuizen than I'll play Sergio. What if I told you Sergio might be around 5% owned? I don't care. Okay. 
I'm with you. I mean, I just it, it, that's great, but I don't want five percent owned of a miscut. No, I'm with you. Um, one guy at seven. Okay, so we talked about Webb Simpson, Henrik Stenson, Snedeker. People will go to Poulter. People will go to Lowry. You know who might go extremely overlooked at 7,600? And I'm not talking Bubba because this doesn't feel like a Bubba course where if you have to require accuracy. Not at all. But Matt Wallace. He is a – he is – that is a name I wrote down. Uh, So I would certainly – I mean, look, third at the uh, PGA, uh, second at the British Masters. Horrible. Horrible at the U.S. Masters. (laughs) Well, we didn't need to go. We didn't need to get looked at for the thirtieth at the players too. Six at the API. I mean, he's had a good run here in the states. I, I definitely name I wrote down. Gain strokes off the tee most consistently. Approach around the green has been okay. Putting. He lost seven strokes putting at Heritage. He gained six point nine at the PGA. So, go figure. When I start looking at his Euro stats, um. Bogies, uh, he's 29th in the Euro Tour in bogeys, so that's, you know, not bad here. Uh, driving accuracy is the only concern here. He's 174th, so that is a little bit of a concern here. Um, around a green, he's top 30 on the Euro Tour. Putting, he's top 10 uh, for put, or putts per green regulation. Um, Scorch screen putting is actually okay, but nobody's going to own him. and he, he, Maybe it's just off the PGA that he's shown me a little something here. I, you know, maybe this is me getting a little too cute, and that's certainly possible. He's somebody at 7,600, I'm like, what do you, okay, I have, there's five golfers at 7,200, I have four of them starred. Well, I know Furyk's one. He is, and he's the other guy that's going to be highly owned in this range. Um, so, I need to pick the one, Hal Tong Lee's one, right? I, yep, I got Hal Tong, um. Terrell Hatton's one. Yes. Oh, Hatton sets up beautifully for this course. Uh, I would say Grace is the one you don't have, but I could be wrong. No, you're right. I mean, I, I look at him again like, I remember this, Brendan Grace just pops up at U.S. Opens from time to time. Uh, fourth, fifth, 50th, and 25th, his past four U.S. Opens. But his form is awful. His approach terrible. is terrible right now, and I just do not want to go there. But no, yeah. I have the other four. Like I might get off Furick just because he's going to be highly owned, even though I think it sets up well. But Billy Horschel is somebody I just do not play a lot. And I yet, will use him. I don't know how much I'll use him this week. He's starting to grow on me here a little bit. Pretty good record at the U.S. Open. Uh, four out of five made cuts. Does have a fourth. Does have a couple other top mm-hmm. 25s. But Billy Horschel right now consistently past four tournaments – Gain strokes off the tee, gain strokes on approach. Three of the four, he's gain strokes around the green. His putting is up and down, but, you know, that's fine. Maybe slightly negative on POA, which would be a slight concern. But 7,200, Billy Horschel is starting to grow on me. Terrell Hatton is one, again, we're talking, you know, if we're talking Tommy Fleetwood, you know, Fleetwood maybe for a longer course would be better. He's a better player than Hatton, but Hatton on a coastal course where accuracy is required. I, I like him a bit there. He's 13th in greens in regulation. Uh, scrambling, not the best. Um, I can try to look him up on his Euro Tour stats. I, mean, I don't know how much he's played over there this year. Um, but he, he's one who seems that his, his skill set seems to fit 
here a little bit, so I don't mind taking a chance on him. But there's a lot at 7,200. C.T. Pan, Jimmy Walker, and Zach Johnson are the other three. And, and I'll be honest, Zach Johnson's starting to trend a little bit upwards. He's showing some size off the tee. Approach hasn't been terrible. Maybe this is too, just there's a narrative of how cool would it be for Zach Johnson to, to win here? He's won a major at Augusta. He won a second major at St. Andrews. Imagine adding a third major at Pebble Beach to that resume. A few of the uh, straight cathedrals of, of the sport. Oh, maybe the, maybe the top three. Now, let me ask you about a guy you didn't mention. I didn't mention either, but I do like him. Shane Lowry. I mean, it's not just the fact that he's coming off to the tie for second, but he was eighth at the PGA, third at RBC Heritage. Uh, before that, his form was not great. Uh, but if we're going to make anything about – he's from Ireland where this course, if the wind kicks up, I mean, that's a that's mm-hmm. advantage Shane Lowry, right? Yeah, he's got a couple top tens in the U.S. Opens. Uh... He's made four or five cuts at, at the Pro-Am, so he's got some experience here. Uh, decent. He's been okay putting on Paula. Um, last week, though, Heritage, or at a Canadian Open wrong RBC tournament, 7.7 strokes gained putting, four around the green. His approach has been okay. Hasn't he been playing decently well in Europe as well? Uh, I, I honestly do All not right, know l- that. L- l- let me look him up real quick. He's got, two, he's got three straight top tens in the States was uh let's see second Canadian Open, eighth of the PGA, third at Heritage. Apparently apparently he likes RBC events, third at Heritage, second at the Canadian Open. That's um, right. So so there you go. I guess start playing Shane Lowry RBC events. Um let's see. Yeah, he won Abu Dhabi earlier this year. Twelfth at the Desert Quiet at uh Dubai. Let's see he's only missed cut <laughs> Oh, no, he's got more missed cuts. He didn't miss the cuts. Yeah, he had, he had a tough run there in, like, March, April. But you want to talk about upside, absolutely. Um, I don't know if he's a win. You know, I don't don't know if I'd bet him to win in the betting market, but 7,500, yeah, he's got he's got more upside in, uh, upside here. Like, I'm not playing Kisner. Like, this is a good course fit for Kisner, but he's just not playing well enough. Same, with, Ra- same with Rafa. Um, Luke List... Luke List does actually play okay on course against the club down on, but I'm not ready to trust him. And Siwoo Kim, of course, is probably the ultimate wild card here where he's going to either – he'll either be top 10 or he'll miss the cut by 10. So, good luck. What about Lucas Glover? I'll throw one more in there right at 7K. Uh, he's won the U.S. Open. He's been playing pretty good and fits some – been good fits in lineups. He finished 16th at the PGA, which was at that page where he won the U.S. Open. But he had a run of top, some top 15s before that. Uh, any interest in Luke Glover? Who, by the way, finished 7th here in, in January or February. Is it? Yeah. Let me see. Yes, he did. Huh. I was too far down to my screen. I was like, oh, he did. Oh, I didn't realize that. Um, at 7K, I think he's fine. He's just not doing anything spectacularly right now as far as the off the tee, the approach around the green, putting. Like, he's, he's average, he's slightly above average. So, but at 7K, I guess I don't mind that. I just think there might be some higher upside guys right now. I think Jimmy Walker has a decent history here at Pebble. He's 7K, and he's showing some form. Yeah, he's, he's a former pro, uh, winner here. You know, he did miss the cut earlier this year here. But um, 
I think I like Jimmy Walker a little bit more for upside, and I think I'd rather go Zach Johnson, but I don't I don't hate Glover. He's just not for me in this range. All right, we've, we've hit a bunch of guys here in the 7K range. Let's talk about who we're going to fade, and uh, I'll throw one out here, Bubba Watson. I mean, yeah. I, I think I've, I've said many a time, I don't know that Bubba ever wins a major that's not at Augusta. And it, I don't ever think he wins a U.S. Open. Um, that I might disagree with you on, because I think... Isn't Riviera hosting a U.S. Open here in the near future? I don't know that he ever wins a U.S. Open, because they'll grow the rough out. He hits it wild. Um, I, I just... For me, the U.S. Open seems like the least likely major for, for Bubba to ever win. Yeah, no, they're playing L.A. Country Club, not Riviera. That's what I was looking for. Um, no, I'm with you. This doesn't doesn't seem to fit. Huh? So this is this is an interesting. Um, I'm looking up at future U.S. Open sites. So last year was at Shinnecock in New York. This year's at Pebble. Twenty or next year's at Wingfoot in New York. 2021's at, at uh, Torrey Pines. So right now we're every other year between New York and California until 2025 or 2024. Well, or actually at Brookline, Mass in 2022, but uh, I uh, I would say that those are two of the biggest states, and maybe they have the most golf courses. Certainly, California's got to have uh, oh well, yeah, as many golf courses as anywhere else in the country. I'm surprised they don't. Like I, I'm not going to argue with Pebble Beach or Torrey Pines. No, I, I'm, I'm surprised they don't go to try Texas or Florida. But anyway, that's just that's a side discussion. Ready for some yes. 6Ks? Uh, I am, I am. So let's get into it now. The 6K tier, okay, this is a strong field. There are some names that worth noting in the 6K tier. But for me, I don't see a ton of guys that I want to get after, but I think there's enough that warrant a, a, a conversation. Um, I have yet to figure out my favorite play. So I have a favorite play in the other, the other tiers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have a favorite play. If you put my feet to the fire, I guess it might be Jason Duffner, but I really don't know. Yeah. I, I look at Duffner. Um, seventh and greens regulation, 10th and fairways gain 22nd T degree. He's starting to play better. Um, mm-hmm. Why did I not like Duffner? Oh, wait, let me go back. 121st is scrambling. Not very good putting from 5 to 10 feet. That might be mm-hmm. why I said no thank you. Oh, yeah, his around a green game has not been great. Um, but off the tee has been okay. His approach has been better. Really consistent putting, but that's okay. I, I don't hate it. I just, maybe I also think Hills is probably a little higher owned here. Um, Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know who my favorite play here is yet. I mean, Danny, Danny Willett, this seems, this he, would feel like a course that should suit him well. He's playing a little bit better. He is. Eighth last week at Canada. Did gain five, five and a half strokes around the green. Has been decent off the tee. His approach game hasn't been terrible. 6,800. He is starting to show some form, so I guess I will throw him as my favorite. Um, I know he's not the 6K guy I mentioned on Sirius yesterday, but... Uh, he is, I and mean, he's one of the guys I'm looking at, too. And uh, not not a not a crazy long course. Like, I don't know. This is, between the recent form and uh, the course, I think this is a guy, he's a guy I kind of like here. Yes. Um, 
You guess you want to take a guess who I think the most popular in this range is trending toward to being, and I'm not sure people would have heard of him two weeks ago. Uh, Actually, I'm going to say a month ago because I think he had a good uh, PGA Championship. Yes, he did. I I don't know without looking up name by name. EVR, Eric Van Royen. I knew you'd be on him. I knew you'd be on him. Yeah, well, yeah, as I said, first of all, I just love saying EVR. It just, uh, that's great. But no, 8th of the PGA, 20th of the Canadian Open. He's gained strokes off the tee and approach both times. His short game putting has been, yeah, kind of neutral. So we're starting to see a world, you know, we're starting to see somebody who showing some teeth over here in the States, or at least North America. I guess I can't say States since, you know, as far as Canada. 68, or is he 69 or 68? I just lost my screen on that one. 6,900. He's 10th in fairways gained for me, second double bogey avoidance, 12th in greens regulation. 33rd tee to green. I mean, I know he's going to be popular, and maybe that's why I don't play a ton of him. I'm trying to find his Euro stats, but my find button just doesn't want to work, so never mind. But uh, I I think EVR's in play. Let me ask you about Andrew Putnam. He's 6,800. He finished 38th at the uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am in January, and 17th at Memorial, 3rd at Charles Schwab. Made the cut at the PGA, but didn't really do anything with it. Uh, nothing really popping in the stat models for me. Uh, he very bad off the tee, which is a concern. Uh, the Schwab, he was good on approach. I mean, he's good on approach, so... Um, what is he? Where is he? He's 77th at fairways game, so he's kind of eh, okay. He's okay. Yeah, he's kind of eh, okay, anything, but I, sure, a 6800, why not? Um, other guys I have starred, Chez Reavy, I think he has a decent history on the West Coast, especially at Pebble, and I think he's popped at a U.S. Open before. He popped in one of these, or, or no, he, uh, 16th a couple of years ago, so I don't know if that's different. Um, Justin Harding was one, and when I started looking at Eurostats, he was, um, he really started to pop for me. Um, first in bogey avoidance on the Euro Tour, so that's always good for me. Accuracy, again, a big issue there, but 15th tee to green. Third in, or second in scrambling, third stroke skiing around the green. Uh, stroke skiing putting, he's 32nd. Tends to avoid three putts, even though I guess you probably don't really have to worry about three putts on these short greens. So he was one you might. These greens are pretty small. I don't, I mean, three, you know, if you're three putting, you're probably in trouble anyway, so... He was one who popped for me. And then the last guy, which and then he was the one I mentioned yesterday on, on Sirius, and I was not expecting this. Scotty Scheffler at 6,700. He ranks 20th for me, Tita Green, 20th in Greens of Regulation, 20th in Bogey Avoidance. When I go and look at him as far as what he what he has been doing recently, he's been playing on the he's been he's been playing on the web. So the web.com tour. He has a win. He has two seconds, and he's got four top tens in 14 events. So half his starts are top tens on the web.com tour. He's already made two cuts in 2019 on the PGA Tour. He was a heralded college player at the University of Texas. So he's got some form. He's got some class. 6,700, I don't know how this all translates to a U.S. Open, but at 6,700, I'm willing to take a chance on Scotty Scheffler. All right, I'm going to throw completely 
off the wall wild card at you. Colin Morikawa. I'll be honest with you, oh. I know like super close to nothing about this guy. He but he went to Cal. Professional, I think. Just turned pro last week and shot uh, eight under, tied for 14th. He qualified through uh, the sectionals to get into the U.S. Open. Went to Cal's, coming off a good run, was I think sixth in the NCAA's. Am I am I stretching too far to try and like find somebody that nobody else is playing here? No, no, because when I look at this, you know, so okay, so the two are okay. So he played Arnold Palmer last year in eighteen. He was good tee to green. He lost seven and a half strokes putting. Uh, last week Canadian Open, he was positive in all four categories. So. I, again, I'm with you. I don't know a ton about him, but I don't think he's the worst dart to throw. Um, trying to see what. It, yeah, he's getting a little bit of attention ownership wise. Andrew Putnam, right, right, by the way, right now projected 0.1% owned. So there you go. If you're looking for your low owned guy, I might. If I have to get uh, into the 10K range, I might have to use him one time. I will ask you about one more guy, Sam Saunders. He finished. This is, again, at the Pro-Am. He finished 38th uh, this year, 26th the year before. Um, I've heard a little chatter about the fact that he has decent course history here. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Am, am I stretching too much at 6,400 for a guy who hasn't made a cut since uh, early April? Yeah. Um, okay. Not good around the green, not good at approach recently. Um let me pull up him stat wise. Oh yeah, Tita. I mean, he's bottom. He's bottom forty. Tita Green, Green's regulation. Twenty fifth scrambling over twenty four rounds is his best stat. But there's just there's nothing for me. I think you're getting a little. You're pushing it if you're trying to get down this range. Maybe you can go back to Seth Straka, who I think kind of faded away after day one um, last week. I mean. I think Jovan Rebula, I think, is a highly touted amateur, but there's, I mean, you're just, you're you're praying and hoping that you hit something <laughs> down here. I mean, maybe, I mean, I guess if you're going to wait, um, Fairways hits, uh, Brian Davis and Richard Lee at 6K are top 30 in Fairways game. They're not doing anything in any other stat category, but yeah, I think you're starting to dig a little bit too much down here. I mean, I know there'll be guys who make the cut here, just... Not in the right one. Right. Um, any other guys that are on the plus side that you're interested in playing, or do we want to talk about who we're fading here? I mean, I don't know who I'm fading at 6K range, to be perfectly honest. Um, Johnny, Johnny Vegas, I don't know if he's a great course fit for this one. I prefer him more in a course where he can use driver a little bit. Um, Kyle Stanley I'd like to use, but he's just been too inconsistent with the form. So that's all I have. Um, anybody else you want to talk about? Mm, not particularly. I mean, I think at this point you're fading whoever. Uh, I don't know. I might take a I might take a stab at my boy Kiradek. I don't know if I will do that. Um, oh, oh, you know how you should start a lineup. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw. I think you saw me tweet this last week. Um, you know. I, last year at the PGA Championship, there were two guys, one a pro, one a PGA Tour pro, one a club pro. Both were named Zach Johnson. 
I I don't know if I, I don't think the club pro made the cut. So I mean we get these rare name tying things here. We can start a lineup with Thorbjorn Olison and And what was his is his first name Michael or it's M. I don't know what his first name is. M Thorbjorn. Like like there's two Thorbjorns. One just has said as a last addition to the last name, but if you like the name narrative, there you go. Start a lineup with Thorbjorn and Thorbjornsen. I don't know how far that's going to get you, but, you know. It's probably going to leave you with a lot of money for your other four golfers. Yeah, let me let me see that. If you play those, <laughs> if you play those two together, why would you? I don't really know. You have 92.25 left, so there you go. Build all your low 9K, upper 8K, and play Thorbjorn and Thor, Thorbjornsen. I will probably not make that move. Oh, I, th- I thought you were about to say you're, you'd waste three dollars on that one, but I no, tell you no, that. this I, isn't this isn't Tony Rumble or Boo Weekly. Come on. <laughs> I th- I think the Thorbjorn combination plays better than the Tony Rumble play, but uh... probably so. Um, not no, better than, not better than look- Boo Weekly though. Thank you. I'm looking at Thor Bu- Thor Bjornsson's, uh like recent history as game log. There's nothing. No. Let's let's see let's see if we can even find him. By the way, I guarantee you we're the only podcast this week talking anything more than two seconds on No, and he doesn't even have anything on, on WGR on the World Golf Rankings for Thor Bjorn, so But the option is there to set that lineup if you want to. Yes, if you if you want to wait, you know, play in like the quarter arcade, just throw you know, if you want, throw an extra twenty five cents in there just for Amusement purposes only, but I'm I'm not even wasting twenty five cents on that. <laughs> yeah, I will not either. I'm not wasting um, one of my hard well, earned yeah. uh, tickets. That's yes, hard earned by just making sure you log in. Yes. Uh well, I mean that's all I got here for the field. Uh, you know what? What if anything is left to discuss about one and duns? I know where I oh. sit in our our league currently. I'm playing Dustin and Brooks because I've got a lot of ground to make up. And I'm firing. I'm firing the best two shots I've got. You know, I was going to save Dustin for the World Golf Championship at Memphis, but I've gotten too far behind. Where I think I'm with you. I think I have to. I have to take my shot here, especially when I think DJ's my pick to win. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's a major purse. I mean. And unfortunately, I feel like by what I'm doing by firing out Brooks and, and Dustin is trying to play catch up when I lost all that ground at the PGA when I played Rahm and Harding trying to be cute and like eight different people all played Brooks and DJ and all skyrocketed past or further past me. Man, I'm looking at the world rank. Oh, man, there's a, oh boy, I've used a lot of the top 20. Where's that got me? Um, so, so have I. You know, I'm probably saving Tommy for um, the British Open. So you know what? Yeah, I'm saving my euros for that that as well. I don't have many euros left either. Um, oh boy, that's gonna be interesting. You know what? Here's what I'm gonna do. D, I'm playing DJ. I'll play him in the big one and done too. I know I need to go different at some point, but I think I'm close enough where I can use a two plus million dollar first place payday. So I'm going Dustin Johnson. I'm gonna go Terrell Hatton. Okay. That's my two picks. Okay. I definitely dig it. Uh, 
But yeah, I think at this point, I mean, if you're sitting there, not at or near the top, you've got to, you know, we talk about being contrarian, but this is one of those major purses where um, you got to get as much money as you can. And if that means firing one of the big guns, this is the way, for me, this is the way to do it. Yeah, I just, I'm just at the point I don't think I could save a DJ anymore. I'm too far behind. As much as I would love to, I'm just I'm not feeling it. Well, do we have any more uh, thoughts on the U.S. Open other than uh, it's fun to it's fun to have another major? And for me, being an East Coast person, I I'll be enjoying the fact that lineups don't lock until 9:45 Thursday morning, so I won't have to like get out of bed early to look at anything. I'll be just kicking it, waiting to see if anybody withdraws, and I uh, also will be I will enjoy the later finish on Saturday and Sunday because. That's when you get into primetime TV. I'll be home from work. I'll be I'll be relaxing. That's a lie. Um, let's see. I, I have two thoughts I could go with. Um, do you want me to start with a positive or the negative thought? Let's start with the negative so we can end on a positive. Okay. How's the USGA going to screw it up this year? Yeah. I mean, oftentimes they do let the course get away from them. So <clears throat> Won't be surprising if they do it again this year, right? Right, so what are we gonna have? It's like tucked pins on the on you know the day where the wind's supposed to kick up the most. <laughs> yeah, right. That would seem very USGA like. Um, I'm trying to think creative ways the USGA could screw something up. And who will be toward? The, actually, no. Here's what here's what Boston. they're gonna do. They'll give Bryson three timing warnings for playing slow, but won't penalize him. They'll penalize some amateur instead. Because that's kind of what they did at the U.S. Women's Open. Or they'll get Kevin Nah. Nah, he's won twice a year. He's, they won't get him. They won't mess with him. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll give it to some amateur shooting an 80. Yeah. Just to make him really, like, hey, I can only play as fast as uh, my six strokes on this par four can allow me. And it'll, actually, you know, it'll be Saturday or Sunday because things will be running so smoothly that the USGA is... A second thought, that I can, wait, we can't have this. we got to be in the forefront of conversation. So let's go assign some random random person a time penalty. I I can see it. I can see it. And, you know, play will probably be slower than normal just with the conditions. Actually, you know what? Screw it. You know who's getting the time penalty? M. Thor Bjornsson. He's getting the slow play <laughs> penalty. I know nothing about the guy. I hope he does well. But um, I say the USGA Louis- picks on him. Louis Oosthuizen gets it and then withdraws immediately. <laughs> oh, oh man! Oh, there's our there's our bold hot takes. Which, if you're still listening at this point, thank you very much. Um, positive thought. Yes. Okay, I know we're used to CBS and Fo- and NBC doing the doing all the broadcasts, but you know what? Fox does a pretty good job because you know what also is really nice about this. Between Fox and FS1 and even their online coverage, you can watch golf all the time. There is no golf channel, oh, we got to wait till 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock or the Masters that does the same thing. Like, I know TNT does a pretty good job, too, for the PGA Championship, but with Fox, you can watch the entire, I mean, you can watch as much as you want online, That's nice. on TV, I mean, and for Pebble, I mean, it's just it's a great course to watch. So, if you want to follow golfers, especially name golfers, you'll, there's ways to do that. Just look online for Fox or the U.S. Open. You'll, you'll be able to find it. You might put it on a TV provider, but 
if you got a TV, it should be on Fox or FS1 at all times. I dig it, and I definitely like when you can get all that coverage because there is nothing more frustrating than popping the TV on like on a Sunday morning. It's like, okay, I know they're not the leaders, but I'd like to watch some golf and see what's going on, see if anybody's even trying to make a run, and it's just chatter. And it's they're they're showing video of one of the leaders on the practice range. It's like, I don't want to see that. Show me somebody who's on the course. Wait, show me, show me. Oh. That's when they should give some TV time to my boys, Boo and Charlie. Oh, Not necessarily last week, but... You know what? We went an hour, 16 minutes. I thought we were going to get through the whole podcast without Charlie reference. And an hour, 16, you threw him in there. Well, you know, I don't want to talk about how he's not in the tears. It's disheartening. I'm still mad Kevin Streelman's not playing this week. <laughs> or Scott Stallings, because they both have good course histories here. But oh well. Well, you got your Charlie reference, and it, it will. Uh, no, I there's, didn't. There's I didn't hit him. You got him. Well, I'm saying I I I threw it out there, so you. I'm glad you were uh, you were keeping a, a tracker on it. There's the Tiger tracker. Now there's the Charlie tracker. That's what you need to do. You need to run the Charlie tracker. I could not be more embarrassed to have an account with two followers, and it would be me and you. <laughs> oh, it I might know. pick up some steam. I don't know. Oh, I think there. I think it would. Yeah, well, uh, that that might be an off-season project for me. Ah. As as he gets to the age where he may not be uh, even relevant anymore. Oh, so so before we end, and I, this will be non-golf related. Have they told you when your return, when the football show returns to uh, Sirius yet? No, but I bet you it will be about four weeks from this past weekend. Okay. Just a guess. It's usually around the 4th of July. Okay, that makes sense. I was just curious if you knew. So No, I usually don't find out until, you know, a week <laughs> or two in advance. Hey, we're back on now. Oh, terrific. Great. So. Well... I mean that fits my lifestyle perfectly. I am a procrastinator, so it does. It doesn't. I mean, I waited until Wednesday night as I was falling asleep to set that lineup last week. Well, you know what? It didn't hurt you. It didn't. The uh, lineups I set Tuesday night after golf league uh, pale in comparison to the Wednesday night falling asleep on the couch uh, <laughs> lineups. <laughs> so there's my process, and I will trust it. Actually, you know, I'm just looking through. You know who I'm mad who's not here, or at least I don't think he is, because I always am, I'm a sucker for this guy. I'm mad Lee Westwood isn't playing here. Yeah, you can get your Graham McDowell. You can get that Euro fix there. No, yeah, but I always play Lee Westwood. Well, he's a great ball striker. I always lose money on Lee Westwood recently too, but that's beside the point. He's a, he's he's a great ball striker. This might actually be a decent course for him. Yeah, but. All right, I think we've talked about enough about golfers playing and not playing in this event. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, good luck this week. It is the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, the, one of the more iconic weekends in golf. So I hope you all enjoyed. Hopefully we gave you some good tidbits, and uh, hopefully you'll come back and check us out again. I'm James Adams. He's Skeeter Robinson. It's the My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast.